0: You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek, while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer, deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Paranormal Encounters, episode 16. We've got Ashley. She's got her own little paranormal group, and she's going to come on and tell us some cool things she's experienced.
1: Very nice.
0: And then uh, tell us a little bit about her group, but... It's a very fun episode. You'll like this. She's got tons of personality. One, <laughs> it's, it's one of those that the conversation just flows so easy. Yeah. And it's so quick and uh-huh. hyper. and Yeah, yeah it's well, good. All right, our first story that we've got tonight says, My odd story began on Saturday morning in May 2004. For years, my grandfather, Carl Christensen, had been bedridden and had to have someone constantly looking after him. That someone was usually my grandmother. But my mother decided to give her a break and took her out of the day. It became my duty to look after Grandpa. I walked over to my grandparents' house and took a seat next to the bed. All was well until an hour after I arrived. Grandpa started complaining about pain in his lungs. I called the ambulance and they took him away to the emergency room. In a panic, I called my older sister Sarah to come over... When she arrived, I told her what had happened. We sat at the kitchen table and waited for my uncle, Ken, to get home from work. When, we got, when he got home, we told him what had happened.
1: Marianne's Spirit It was Friday afternoon, April nineteenth, 1974. My wife, Marianne, was lying on a recliner chair in our front room when she died. I came home from work about 4 o'clock and went to see how she was feeling. I saw that she was dead, so I called Walter and Edwin, who were outside, and Sherman, who was in his room. When the boys had come home from school, they all thought their mom was just asleep. I told them she had died. We went into the front room to see her. She looked like she was very peaceful and asleep. After calling the funeral home, I called Stanley Jr., who was in college in Rochester, New York, and Marianne's mother, Esther Bailey, to tell them the very sad news. That night, the three boys and I were drained emotionally. We needed to have some dinner, and I wanted to get out of the house, so I suggested we go to McDonald's. They thought that was a good idea, so off they went. The four of us sat in a booth, and we had each had a tray of food. Sherman had crooked teeth and wore a wire retainer, which he removed when he ate. He didn't have the retainer box with him, so he placed the retainer on his tray. When we were through eating, we put the paper wrappers and cups in a large container and went to our car. Just as I started the car, Sherman said, Dad, I don't have my retainer. We all went back into the restaurant to look for it. I told the manager there was a, there was lost and asked him to empty garbage containers. While Walter and Edwin looked around the underneath the booth, Sherman and I took each piece of paper and garbage out of the container where we had disposed of our trash. We inspected each handful of trash, but we couldn't find it. I thanked the manager for his help. We washed our hands, went outside to the car. Sherman was upset because he knew that that retainer had cost $100 and it was his fault that he lost it. As I started the car, he said, Dad, look, my lap. There was a retainer on his lap. I knew at once that Mary Ann's spirit had taken it and put it there. We were very sad, but it made us happy to know her spirit was with us and telling us she was okay. That's from Stanley in Indian Harbor Beach, Florida. That's unique. Uh. <laughs> I hope he washed it. Before he put it back in his mouth.
0: Yeah, there's no telling where it was, bad,
1: Ugh. Well, thanks, Mom. She's like, Damn, I think I'll swing $100. Well, that was a different story. So, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways to let your loved ones know that you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's
0: listen to Ashley real quick. Hey, guys. I'm back, and I've got a special guest, Ashley, from Real Paranormal Team. They're from up in Michigan. And Man, she's got some cool ass stories, so I thought I would bring her on to tell a few of them. Ashley, first of all, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: We're glad to have you on. You were telling me about a couple of, of stories, or I guess more incidents, because there's more than a couple of stories involved in these, but the first one that you're going to talk about involves you living in a haunted house, or what you at least think you may have been a yeah. haunted house for about a five-year period, so why don't you go ahead and tell us about that?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I lived in this house with my parents and my younger brother from about 2000 to 2005. We moved when I was in the middle of eighth grade, and I moved out shortly after my senior year of high school. So it was me and my mom, my stepdad and my brother, and he was about 10 years younger than me. I would have been about 13 or 14 when we moved in the house. We had a lot of poltergeist activity that went on in the house, and it seemed like it targeted me and my mom the most. And most of the activity seemed to center around the basement. I don't recall anything strange happening, like, right off the bat after we moved in. But probably a few years after living there, we moved my room down to the basement. And I have to be honest, I had a thing for Ouija boards when I was younger. (laughs) Okay. So I I used to play with them, and I I don't play with them now, but when I was younger, I did. So I, I don't know if by playing with the Ouija boards, if I unknowingly invited something in or what. But I would say that it was probably after... We moved my room down to the basement that weird stuff started happening. So my mom and I, we both feel like there was a male spirit in the house and we both encountered him. I actually seen him once and my mom had a very different encounter with him. But before any of that happened, we just had some real strange things happen around the house. So I'll tell you a few of the things that happened. So one creepy thing that happened was one time we were all upstairs, all four of us. We're all upstairs and we suddenly we hear this loud noise coming from the basement. Now, my dad also had a tool room downstairs, so if you were to go down the basement steps, if you went straight, you would have gone into my room. If you turned to the right, there was a laundry room, and if you go through the laundry room, then you're you're in my dad's tool room. So we're all upstairs, we hear this noise downstairs, and my dad goes running downstairs to check out what it is, Well, his power saw had turned on completely on its own down in his tool room. And there was some other stuff that happened weird like that. Like, one of the things that, that would happen is my CD player would get messed with. So my stepdad, he was kind of strict about certain things, and one of the things he was strict about was my CD player, and he did not want me to play my music too loud, he didn't want to hear my music upstairs. So I just got used to keeping it at a low level. It was loud enough that I could hear it, but it wouldn't bother him upstairs. Well, one day after school, I was the only person home and I go downstairs, I turn my CD player on and I come back upstairs. And I'm in the kitchen, probably getting a snack or something. And all of a sudden, I hear my CD player turn on full blast. And I know there was nobody else down there because I was the only one home. So another time um, I had a friend over spending the night and I didn't have a lot of friends stay the night at my house. I don't know if it's just like maybe they had a bad vibe for my house or what, but it was very rare for me to have a friend stay over. But this one night I had my best friend over and her-, her and I were just sitting down in my room. Um, I had a futon down there, so we're just kind of sitting down there hanging out. And it was kind of late at night and I had the CD player on, but I had it on real low. And once again, it turns up to full blast. And it's almost like it wanted to get me in trouble because, you know, it turns on and I'm like, oh, my God, dad's going to come down here and yell at me. But he didn't. But it just felt like, you know, it just felt kind of weird. So another thing that happened one time that was just really strange. It was one night. It wasn't too late or anything. It was probably just like evening, like around five or six. And I was downstairs in my room. Everyone else was upstairs. I was just sitting there doing whatever. It's probably school night. I don't know. It's probably working on homework or watching TV or whatever. So we had a water heater right outside my room. And I forgot to mention this. This is kind of important for later, but I didn't actually have a door on my room because the, the frame was too wide. So it wasn't a door on my room. I just had a bead curtain. it was like one of those retro bead curtains that have mushrooms all over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm just sitting down in my room and we had the water heater right outside the door. And all of a sudden, it sounds like someone just took their fist to the water heater and they're just pounding on it as hard as they can. And it sounded like it was going to blow up. So my parents can hear it upstairs. So of course, they come running they run to the top of the basement stairs and they're like yelling for me to run up the stairs. So I just run right past the water heater and I get to the stairs. And as soon as I get to the bottom of the stairs, it stopped. The weird thing is there was never anything wrong with it. Um, that never happened again. It was just this weird thing. So that's kind of some of the weird poltergeist type stuff that went on. Again, it seemed to focus, really, it seemed to focus around me mostly in the basement. The scariest thing that happened to me at the house was one night, I was sitting on my futon watching TV, and I had the lights off. So it was dark, but, you know, I could still see everything because the TV was on. So there was enough light for me to see everything. And my futon was right next to my my bedroom door, so it was right next to this bead curtain I had hanging up. Like I said, my dad, he had a, a tool room downstairs, so he was up and down all the time. He'd come down to the basement all the time and work down there. And I could always tell when he was coming or when anyone was coming because I could hear him walking across the kitchen upstairs. So I knew when someone was coming down to the basement, I could hear him walking down the stairs. But there had been at least one time that I can remember that my stepdad, somehow he managed to sneak down the stairs without me hearing it. And it was just so he could scare me. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> so so this one particular night, I'm sitting there watching TV. And all of a sudden, I become aware that there's this man standing right on the other side of my bead curtain. And, he, and he's kind of standing off to the side. And he's staring at me and he has this big grin on his face. So my, my very first initial reaction is, I, was, you know, my heart starts pounding and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a dad. He's trying to scare me. But then I kept looking at this guy and I realized that's not my dad. And the way that this guy was grinning at me, it was like he knew he was scaring me and he was just loving it. Like, he wanted me to be scared. Right. And then just like that, he was gone. And that that was definitely by far the scariest thing that happened to me in the house. But this male spirit, whoever, whatever it was, it also messed with my mom. So my mom, she would come down to the basement a lot to do laundry. So she used to see shadow figures in the basement. One time, she was downstairs doing laundry, and she said she felt breath on the back of her neck. And it felt like there was a man standing behind her. But once she turns around, of course, there's nobody there. That's that's the main stuff that went on in the house. We never knew what was going on in that house. And honestly, we'll never know because none of us live there anymore. My stepdad, I don't think he believed the house was haunted. But I do remember this one time. This was before my room got moved to the basement. And my parents had their room down there. And I remember this one time he was complaining about what sounded like mice running back and forth across the ceiling. But he never did anything about it. He never bought mouse traps or anything like that. And then when I had my room down there, I never heard anything like that. So, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't mice in the house because that's definitely possible. But whatever it was that he was hearing, I just remember him saying that because it sounded like he was really creeped out by it. And my stepdad was not someone to be creeped out by some mice. Right. But something something about being in the basement, it did creep him out and then go figure shortly after that. They put me down in the basement. <laughs> and then what do I do? You know, I start messing around with Ouija boards. Yeah, I mean, so, well, um,
0: that would be the normal thing to do. You know, you're, well, in, yeah, you're in a creepy yeah, a young teenage kid. start with a Ouija
2: board. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this one other thing. Um, this one other thing. And this isn't, I'm not saying this is paranormal, but it was definitely creepy. So my dad kept uh, work gloves at the top of the stairs on this little ledge that was up there. And one day I was, I was going down to my room and I hear something behind me. So I get to the bottom of the stairs and I turn around, and one of his work gloves had fell down from the ledge. But it had fallen in such a way that it was actually holding onto the railing, and it was just like stuck like that. And I swear it looked like there was an <laughs> invisible person just standing there holding onto the railing, and it actually stayed like that long enough that I could go grab my camera and come back and take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it doesn't mean there was a ghost standing there but it's just like this one picture just encapsulated, uh, you know, all the creepiness that we experienced in that house. So, I moved out shortly after my senior year. My parents and my brother, they moved out I think a few years later. And as far as I as far as I know, um, nothing ever happened after I moved out. I never heard any stories from my mom or anything like that. So, I don't know what that tells you, but I was I was definitely glad to be out of that house.
0: So let me ask you this. Have you experienced anything else other than, I mean, I know you're part of a paranormal research team now, so,
2: yeah.
0: you know, you, you're probably carrying a thing, but it, like in the places that you moved after that, did you encounter anything?
2: You know, yeah, I have. So when I moved out, um, I actually moved in with uh, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, and he's who I run the paranormal group with. So him and I, we've both We've always kind of been into the paranormal and there's one time that, that we did actually experience something paranormal in an apartment we lived in, but never anything like what, what I experienced in that house.
0: So I'm just wondering that, you know, if things kind of stopped once you moved out and then yeah. you still experienced stuff afterwards, if it had something to do with more an attraction to you than to that house.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's definitely possible. Uh, and also I know just from doing my own research that there's some theories about poltergeist activity and how a lot of times it can be kind of centered around a youth in the home, someone who might have some angst and and issues like that. And, you know, I will say that living in that house, there was, there was a lot of negativity and I didn't have the best relationship with my stepdad. So I wonder if that all kind of played into it too, but you know, honestly, we'll never know.
0: So you got a paranormal group now is, is the reason you started that have to do with your past and their experiences. Is that what started the curiosity? or was it something completely different
2: um it very well could be I'm sure that that played into it for sure but honestly I don't know if it's just something about me if I'm just kind of you know weird like that but ever since I was a little kid I've always been drawn to this kind of thing I've always been interested in the paranormal and monsters and all kinds of spooky stuff so I don't know it's it's probably a combination of the two
0: I think that's probably more common than you realize I mean I've got a a seven-year-old granddaughter and uh well, she's Getting ready to be eight, but I remember a couple years ago when she was like six, we're sitting at at a public restaurant, and she's over there, you know, they give you the kids' kids menu with the crayons, and on the kids' menu, she's drawing a picture of the scream face, she's drawing a picture of a (laughs) bloody knife, so... Yes. Yeah, oh my
2: gosh. <laughs> yep, that's that's me as a kid right there. Yep, totally. <laughs> like, we
0: got a picture hanging up right now in our refrigerator that she drew, drew a couple of the other days ago. It's some character named Bendy from a game. It's like a cartoon type character, but it's from one of these games they play. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, she's sitting there drawing a picture of it. It looks like something straight out of a satanic you know ritual book or something it's hanging on our (laughs) refrigerator that's what our granddaughter drew
2: oh that's fantastic that's adorable
0: (laughs) (laughs) tell us a little bit about your group real paranormal team then tell us a little bit about some of the things you guys have encountered so far
2: okay yeah our group basically it's it was formed just me and my husband because we just love the paranormal and we and we'd always kind of been interested in maybe joining up with the team, you know, or starting to do stuff like that. But then we just decided, you know what, let's just let's just start one. Let's just do it. So that's exactly what we did. So it started out, just him and I. And since then, we've grown a little bit. We've got another member, Leah. And then uh, we've got some other stuff coming up as well that's going to be introducing some more people as well. Yeah, so it just started out with just the two of us. And, um, you know, we're just amateurs. We just love doing it. We just started doing it over the summer, and actually it was the sally house which i think you guys have been there haven't you yep
0: yep we was there in the summertime too in august really wow
2: wow we would have been there right around the same time (laughs) (laughs) that's cool oh yeah that's very cool yeah so we we had a trip planned we were actually headed to colorado and our our plans ended up getting kind of changed and uh we were going to be headed through kansas and we were like oh what can we do you know kind of stop over in, in kansas and then we just ended up staying at the sally house so that was kind of like that was actually the the First place that that we ever investigated Um, but yeah so we've been we've been doing it since then and uh we've we've had some really really interesting experiences and one of the ones i can tell you about was an old hospital building that we actually investigated and we just had some real crazy stuff happen there where was the
0: hospital located
2: Um, so this is in eaton rapids michigan so um this this place that we investigated it's called the stimson hospital and it it was built In the late 1800s, and it actually was built as a home, but then it was actually an operational hospital from, I think, I think it was 1918 to 1957. Some notable things about about this particular location, you know, obviously being a hospital, especially back in those days, there's a lot of death that took place within those walls. And not all, not all death, but but a lot of death. And one of the one of the more tragic stories that took place was actually one of the doctors. One of the doctors, within a year, I think it was of the hospital opening, he mm-hmm. went to go get on the elevator from the top floor, and he pushes the button. When he steps into the elevator, he realizes too late that the elevator isn't there. Mm-hmm. So he fell down the elevator shaft and ended up passing away. Dr. Stimson, who the the hospital was named after. He also died there. He actually had a heart attack in his office. So there's a lot of stuff, you know, with it being a hospital. But but even before it was a hospital, you know, who knows what happened in that building. For our investigation of this place, it was just, it was just me, Jason, and our other team member, Leah. And about halfway in, things started to kind of get pretty active. We'd been hearing a lot of strange things all night, but it was about the halfway point where things kind of took off. So we, we'd been in a room that used to be patient rooms, and we were just doing some filming and recording. We actually had tried to reach out to one particular spirit, a little boy named Chummy, because we had read in a, in a booklet they had downstairs that um, this little boy had, unfortunately, he, he passed away at the hospital after being hit with a bat accidentally at a baseball game and that would have been back in the 1930s so we kind of had an intention Thought, well maybe we'll try and get in touch with this little spirit in particular so after about a half hour so we were in this room we decided to go across the hall to another room that was known to be pretty active and i don't remember originally what that room had been used for but the room right next to it had been the birthing room and that's where the moms would have been having the babies and that was also known to be pretty active so we were going to just kind of focus on those two rooms i'd use the bathroom so i went downstairs to do that and honestly i was only gone for probably a few minutes but while i was gone things just went on so and we had we had camera going so we we caught all of it i had just gone downstairs to use the bathroom leah and jason not jason my husband we were both standing or they were both standing kind of close to the entrance to the the birthing room and jason was getting some stuff set up and there was a chair right next to the entrance to that other room the birthing room and he was putting one of the emf detectors on the chair and he was he was kind of joking around a little bit because this was actually leah's first time on a paranormal investigation with us he was kind of joking around and he he kind of joked around a little bit throughout the night about someone playing with her hair and he's you know setting stuff up and he says someone needs to play with leah's hair and not. Almost as soon as those words are out of his mouth, there's this loud, disembodied male voice that says, no, I don't. And it scares the crap out of Leah because she actually hears it. They actually, they both heard it in the room and she hears it behind her. They're kind of standing there trying to figure out what's going on. And then they realize that the door we all just came out of is is different so I, I don't know i don't remember if it was shut and it was now open or it had been open and that was shut but either way it, it wasn't how we left it then leah she starts hearing noises coming from the birthing room and she says it sounds like there's someone sitting on the furniture in there, like furniture creaking they are both kind of turn around and they're looking in that room trying to figure out what the noises are leah's standing right next to that chair where Jason has just set our EMF detector, which up until this point, it hasn't gone off at all. And so the next thing that we actually captured on audio was this voice, and it sounds just like a little kid whispering, Leah. And then immediately after you hear this little voice whisper Leah's name, the EMF detector right next to Leah flashes four times. And so we were thinking, like, wow, did we, did we actually manage to get in contact with that little kid spirit? And so that was kind of the peak of the the activity and after that it kind of died down but yeah i mean out of all the places we've been to like i said you know we've been to sally house and a few other places but that was actually some of the best evidence that we've ever captured was at that hospital and we walked away away with some pretty good evidence awesome
0: what's your overall take of the sally house
2: Mm, you know
0: if i was to ask you to sum it up in two or three sentences what would you say
2: um definitely haunted (laughs) But my feeling of the Sally House is that there there may be what we consider typical spirits there, but there's also something there that feels almost like it's not human. And I don't know if you felt that when you were there, but that's kind of the impression that I walked away with.
0: I mean, that's kind of what everybody says. It's, you know, kind of billed as a demonic house. And, and, yeah. But for me, I just didn't experience that. And when we were there, there was actually a group out of Nebraska Uh, that was there investigating and they got some stuff that they said they heard growls. I wasn't there during that part, I was in a different room, but they Mm -hmm. were saying they got growls out of the one closet that's, you know, um, in in that one bedroom upstairs. And, you know, for me, I didn't, I just didn't get a feeling like that. And there was one point to where Tracy left her glasses in there somewhere and I had to go back the next morning by myself. So I just got the, I got the code from Maria who runs the place or ran it then I just went in by myself and it was, I had to look room by room till I found these glasses, you know, like I was in there by myself and I didn't just didn't feel anything. And I walked into that closet, took some pictures inside there and then walked into the, the nursery room. And we stayed in that, in the middle bedroom up there, the one that was, you know, there was a, the nursery was on one side of the bathroom and there's yeah. another bedroom on the other side. And we were in that room. Okay. And, and the third bedroom was the one with the closet I was talking about. But I don't know, I just, I didn't feel anything the whole time I was there. Everybody else seemed to didn't, but there was really? probably 20 people there that night, at, off and on, and everybody seemed to have the same feeling, like, I could just accept me.
2: yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've I've never experienced anything like this alley house before. And I would honestly, even though I knew it had the reputation it did, I wasn't expecting to experience what we experienced. And overall, as far as, you know, collecting paranormal evidence, we didn't walk away with a ton, but it was more just a feeling. And the feeling was, it's almost like at certain points, the house would just kind of come alive or, or turn itself on. And then other times, you know, it'd be like just a normal house. And it was just that that weirdness to it that I don't know it's 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 really hard to describe kind of but that's why I say it just it doesn't feel like your regular haunted location to me
0: yeah the group that was there the night that night we were there they were doing an investigation and we're talking about spending the night the very next night and then after doing their investigation they refused to spend the night
2: oh wow so, <laughs> well you know what I will say because we we spent the night and it it was not a good night's sleep for me that's for sure I was scared to get up and go to the bathroom <laughs> I slept I did good. not get a lot of sleep.
0: Ashley, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun having you on. Tell everybody how they can find out more about your research team.
2: Yeah, for sure. So so if anyone wants to follow along with us, we've got some fun stuff coming up. We're actually headed to the Ohio State Reformatory here in a few weeks, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But if anyone wants to follow along, you can find us at Real Paranormal Michigan on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone's from Michigan and they have a case for us, I mean, you can reach us through the Facebook or you can email us at Real Paranormal team gmail
0: trust me we have lots of listeners from michigan oh great So you'll probably hear from somebody awesome <laughs> all right ashley thanks for coming on and good luck with your venture there with the, with the paranormal group and hopefully you get everything out of it you're looking for
2: yeah thanks so much for having me on this was a lot of fun
0: well she's a bundle of energy isn't
1: she oh isn't she that's <laughs> that's refreshing <laughs> sure is
0: yeah so they've like i said they she spent time with sally house mm-hmm. which is pretty cool so we had that in common but yeah yeah Fun. Okay. All right, guys, we will see you next week.
1: All right, guys, have a blessed week. Take care.